Hello and welcome to another episode of Schlock Tactics, the movie podcast where we believe badder is better and aim to review the Razzie-tipped travesties so that you don't have to. My name is Ash and I'm joined once again by Mark. Oh, hi Mark. Good evening. So as you may have gathered from the intro there, it's going to be a little bit of a different episode today in that we are going to be rounding up the five worst picture nominees for the upcoming Razzie Awards, uh, which will be happening later on tonight, obviously as will the Oscars, but we're not interested in the Oscars, and nor are you, hopefully. You're interested in the Razzie, so we're going to be uh, letting you know. It's not going to be a, a huge breakdown like we usually do. Two movies, we usually break them down in great detail, but we're going to be going through all five Worst Picture nominees. Uh, last episode we did, if you missed it, it was uh, our long-awaited Nicolas Cage uh, rampage. And um, yeah, got good feedback about that. So you guys obviously were waiting for us to do a Nick Cage episode for a while. And we did Vampire's Kiss and The Wicker Man remake. Um, So you can still go back and check that out. But like I say, today we're going to be giving you maybe, apart from our Shark Tactics episode, the most up-to-date reviews that you'll ever hear us do. Because we're going to be reviewing all five films that came out in the last calendar year. Winchester. So this is the only kind of horror film that makes an appearance in these. This is... uh, Sort of a quite a traditional type ghost story based around the real life uh, eccentric firearms heiress. <laughs> I'm just reading off IMDb. Eccentric <laughs> firearm heiress. It's quite hard to say. Um, Sarah Winchester uh, played in this film by Helen Mirren. Oscar winner Helen Mirren. <laughs> Pretty much uh, meat and potatoes horror film here, ghost film here. What, what were your impressions of Winchester overall? Um yeah, it was a very sort of generic haunted house kind of, oh, the spirits are after me, <laughs> nonsense. Or, or of, is she just crazy? Yeah, yeah. that kind of, um, yeah, me- mentally unstable or are there really yeah. ghosts kind of I don't thing. think you even have um, to have seen that many horror films to be bored with this. No. <laughs> <laughs> even if you'd never seen a horror film, you'd find this generic. <laughs> and, and yeah, it's predictable. Yeah. yeah. I felt sorry for Helen Mirren having to do such a repetitive, generic yeah. horror character when she's clearly a great actress. I wonder but... why she did it. Yeah, perhaps she. I mean, if you if if you guys look up the real life sort of life story of Sarah Winchester, it's much more interesting than this film. <laughs> makes it out to be like she she was eccentric. She had like weird weird compartments built in her house, and this film does portray a bit of that in the way that it's like a a clockwork house almost with lots of hidden rooms and there's over 200 rooms or whatever in the house and she had like a spider web built into the house sort of structure because she thought it was good luck so she was quite balmy especially after her husband died and she became the heir to the Winchester gun um, yeah. empire so that, that's a, all of that's a lot more interesting than, than what happens here and she I think she does her best to play it fairly straight and try and portray a sort of a fragile old woman that might be going mad mm. and the, the basic plot is that there's this um there's this doctor character played by jason clark uh, who i know mainly from uh, dawn of the planet of the apes and um he's uh, on all sorts of opium and stuff like that <laughs> so he's sort of seeing things we're led to believe he's gone through some hard times and gotten hooked on it and um as soon as he gets there they say like are you abusing medicines? <laughs> How dare you? How dare you accuse me of abusing medicines? Of course not. I'm a professional. Yeah, he's like, well, if you are, you, you can't be here and you can't be assessing Sarah Winchester. He's yeah. basically hired by her uh, adversaries in the in the, in the shareholdings mm. of the company who want to oust her because she's gone crazy and she's seen ghosts. Yeah. Or has she gone crazy? Are there maybe ghosts? Mm. I don't think we really got a resolution to that, did no. we? No. 
any of the sort of horror inverted commas <laughs> is uh based on these kind of cheap jumpy bits with yeah. like like a boy with no legs yeah yeah <laughs> just coming out and it's the same thing over and over again just in different yeah. scenes and it's yeah the scariest bit of this entire film for me was when my cat sneezed <laughs> <laughs> so i don't think that's saying much about the atmosphere um, and and the, the the horror the effective horror of winchester <laughs> so if it's pretty bad if it's sent you to sleep believe it or not this did actually win some awards Primarily from the Australian Screen Sound Guild, <laughs> <laughs> or the ASG Awards. Um, so this did actually win awards uh, for best sound editing, sound mixing, sound design. I didn't notice That's anything weird. particularly good, yeah. and I listened to it on quite a good, quite a good sound bar. I didn't. I mean, a bad horror film is still a horror film, and I'll still watch it. And I've seen a lot worse than this. <laughs> um, and I sometimes get suspicious when the Razzies nominate a horror film thinking they're maybe just being a bit sniffy about, oh, horror's not as good as other stuff. But yeah. uh, I would say it's pretty fair to nominate this one. It was a pretty boring, boring film. Not a lot happened. There's a much more interesting story there. Look up Sarah Winchester, the real-life character. It's an interesting Wikipedia article. Hmm. It's not an interesting 90-minute horror film. <laughs> so. Next one we're going to talk about is The Happy Time Murders. Now, this is notable for... Combining live action and puppets in a way that not that many films do. Um, it was directed by Brian Henson, son of Jim Henson, uh, who has been in charge of the Muppets empire since his dad died in the in the late 90s. So it's made by a genuine puppet expert. Yeah. This is obviously on the more adult side. Uh, yeah. Think, think uh, Team America. Um, <laughs> Got to get it off my chest, Mark. I enjoyed this film. I, I enjoyed this film. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was waiting for my moment to say I genuinely enjoyed this film. I would actually watch this again. I, I laughed when I was meant to laugh. Yeah. And I, I, I can understand why it would be nominated because it's, it's very juvenile and yeah. like base, but I laughed a lot, and I liked the idea of these two worlds colliding and the fact that the main puppet character had been the first ever puppet cop, and then he accidentally shot a civilian, so now no puppets can be cops and they're second-class citizens and yeah. stuff. It's a bit lofty for this film to be going for like civil <laughs> civil rights uh, analogies, but um, there, there was some sort of point I think they were going for, but it was yeah. mostly just like really crass, juvenile like dick jokes and puppets having sex and puppets like getting hooked on glitter like snorting yeah. <laughs> glitter and getting off their tits and stuff yeah i laughed pretty consistently yeah, me when too. i was meant to so mm. i'm not sure why this is um why this is here really yeah i liked uh, the kind of seedy underground la setting mm. with like this ridiculous references to like hookers and drugs and <laughs> that sex scene in the office was just yeah <laughs> ridiculous silly string ejaculate <laughs> yeah <laughs> But the basic plot is that there are, um, it is a world where puppets and humans sort of um, reluctantly share an existence. And um, there is a TV show from the 80s or whenever called the, um, mm. yeah, the Happy Time Bunch. So it's like, like Sesame Street or something like that. And, and then um, all the characters, or all the actors rather, are getting knocked off now in, in succession. And the lead uh, detective puppet has to team up with Melissa McCarthy 
um, character uh, detective as well to, to solve these. I would say the only times when, when this film suffered was when Melissa McCarthy was trying to be funny because mm. she's really not very funny and yeah. I, I don't, I've never laughed at her intentionally. <laughs> yeah, She tries very hard and I, I don't find she ever gets anywhere with, with it. She's in a unique position this weekend of being nominated for this film, uh, for Razzies, and also nominated for a film called Can You Ever Forgive Me, uh, which is Oscar nominated. So she could be coming away with a Razzie in one hand and an Oscar in the other, a la Halle Berry from, uh, yeah. from 15 years ago. <laughs> so I guess she's good in some things. I haven't seen her be good in anything, but I've only yeah. ever seen her in like daft comedies where she's just not being that funny. So I thought if there was a weak point, it was her, and I wasn't wasn't that keen on her her comedic stylings which tend to be just shout um shout at people adam sandler's same approach you know yeah. quite a lot of people take that approach loud is funny <laughs> not really but yeah like i say there's like puppets with drug problems there's like prostitute puppets <laughs> it's just like a whole like noir puppet styling and i think it's, it's something that has been done before obviously with not just team america but not- notably by peter jackson's meet the feebles uh, movie which was uh, entirely um, puppets being entirely inappropriate and, and offensive. It was like the second or third Peter Jackson movie from the early 90s and I think mm. perhaps this is picking up where he left off then. Obviously he's gone on to to, to bigger things, not better things, but um, I think they've perhaps thought there's still some untapped comedy in getting a puppet or a cartoon to say fuck yeah. Or to ejaculate, <laughs> to to do all these sorts of things. So I said earlier, I'd watch it again. Um, there are obviously some cliches in there when uh, Melissa McCarthy's character and the, the main puppet uh, mm. hate each other at the start, and then they work yeah. together. And they it's a buddy cop. Yeah, film. yeah, it's got that. Yeah, we hate each other now. We like each other. And yeah. the the plot wasn't exactly like that complex, mm. but it no. was just an enjoyable film. It was yeah. just funny throughout. I would recommend this. Yeah, to, to a lot of people I know actually. So. Okay, next one we're going to talk about is Robin Hood. Now, I was sure that this was directed by Guy Ritchie, but uh, <laughs> I was corrected by by IMDb. It, it could have, it should have uh, been directed. This is uh, yet another reimagining of the Robin Hood tale. There have been loads and loads of them. Prince of Thieves, most notably with Kevin Costner. First film I ever saw in the cinema ah. a while back. Uh, it was also done in, in cartoon form with uh, a fox as Robin Hood. It's been, I mean, I think if you're using cartoons to tell it, you've probably done everything you can. Yeah. Uh, it was even done, what, eight years ago by Ridley Scott with Russell Crowe, and mm-hmm. that fell on its ass. Yeah. But for some reason, they decided they'll, they'll have another <laughs> go. Um, so here we are again, Robin Hood in a strangely modern, but not really modern, retelling, mm-hmm. um, starring Taron Egerton from uh, The Kingsman and Oscar winner Jamie Foxx. Yeah. Uh, another one, another one that won an Oscar and, and gave up. Um, so it's a weird. I, I read on the, in the trivia for this that the um, the designers were told to make it the costumes like one third historically accurate, one third futuristic, and I'm not sure what the other third was. But <laughs> I noticed that because I thought well, it was they were weirdly sci-fi, like, modern, like leather jackets. And yeah, stuff. And yeah, I was like, isn't this meant to be? It just didn't make any sense. And like Robin Hood is wearing like a hoodie and yeah. he's like a, a bit of a yob. Like it's a, a very muddled um, retelling that yeah. doesn't appear to take place in any particular time. No. And there's even, um, 
I mean, the plot just follows what the plot of Robin Hood always is. Obviously, yeah. a, a peasant sort of rises up to stop the sheriff of Nottingham. Ben Mendelsohn here, who's a, who's a go-to villain in like Star Wars and Ready Player One and stuff like that. He's the sheriff of Nottingham. And the, yeah, the plot is always the same that um, Robin Hood and his merry men, or just Little John in this one, Jamie Foxx's character, mm. will uh, rise up and there'll be a, a peasant rebellion and, and all that sort of stuff. So same story again. The bit I was most confused by was when they appeared to be in, in the Iraq war. in arabia isn't it i think Um, so they they so yeah they sort of it's like crusade crusades and stuff like that they get sent to to arabia to crusade for the christian religion a bit like the iraq war i guess i don't know strange like political statement they were trying to make for what is not a political film and they were wearing like proper flak jackets and modern looking um they were still had bows and arrows and stuff but i thought that was an interesting like when people do Shakespeare, but with modern dress. Yeah. It's like, sometimes there's a point to it, sometimes there isn't. Yeah, know. all they did that for was really to set up the thing with Jamie Foxx's character's son being mm, murdered. Getting beheaded. Getting beheaded. Yeah. And Jamie Foxx's character losing his hand. And it seemed like that's all they needed that yeah. intro part for, because then he couldn't like use a bow and arrow properly. And, and he had whatever. to wear like a big like metal club on one hand yeah. for the rest of the film which I'm not sure yeah why <laughs> um, there was also the idea that Robin Hood was like made he was drafted to go to Arabia drafted yeah. into the Crusades <laughs> but he didn't really want to go and he left behind his uh, he made marry and obviously left behind his, his love yeah. and um, he showed mercy um, so he was kicked out of the Crusades yeah, and sent, sent back yeah, so yeah. yeah just a weird I don't know I, I couldn't say I like I couldn't say it was massively shit, but it was it was boring. I fell asleep a little bit in this one as well. Yeah. Um, they were they were groping for something interesting, but it just Taron Egerton playing on his his character from the Kingsman, where where he's like a, a chav. He's almost mm. like a Robin Hood chav character, and yeah, just constant confusion around the dress and what what they were meant to be doing. Where are we meant to be? What time is it meant to be? Is it's meant to be Nottingham. It doesn't, you know, it just looks weird. Yeah. There's some cool bow and arrow stuff. Like, particularly in Arabia, they had, like, sort of a minigun, but it was bow and arrow. <laughs> <laughs> Comedian Tim Minchin was in yeah, this as well. that was really surprising. <laughs> I was like, played, who is like, that guy? It really... looks like Bill Bailey, but younger. <laughs> oh, no, that is, yeah, that is Tim Minchin. That, yeah. that is, that's his look. He played, like, a commoner, but he was quite a friendly I think character. he was um, Friar Tuck. Yes, um, that's it. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and then Jamie Dornan from um, the Fifty Shades of Grey films was Will Scarlet, who's like the sort of rival to Robin Hood, starting trying to start a bit of a proletariat uprising as well. Mm. I had no idea that the actor was Northern Irish. I was like, "Fuck, he's doing a really good Northern Irish accent." That's really <laughs> hard for Americans. Oh, hang on. <laughs> bit of a slog, bit of a bore. Went on for too long, and mm. um, we don't. We hardly need another. Another Robin Hood film. No. Um, we didn't need Ridley Scott's Robin Hood and we don't need this, but um I didn't really think much of the Sheriff of Nottingham character. No. Many of the other characters didn't really change much about that. I thought it would probably would have been good in the cinema. Like when when they were in Arabia and it was all like there were arrows going off, like my, my surround sound was yeah. like pretty good. It was a That's quite cool things effects. blowing up. Yeah. You want a film where things blow up. A surprising amount of things considering it's meant to be medieval yeah um, lots of things do still blow up so uh, yeah do you want if you want like a ropey 
brainless action film, probably one of the best examples from last mm. year, or worst examples, depending on your, your perspective. But yeah, Robin Hood. Now, we come on to a film that I think we were both dreading watching. I, oh uh, I had to go to the pub first and come back. <laughs> this is, I mean, as a common theme here, uh, yet another adaptation of, of Sherlock Holmes' character and the Watson character. This is Holmes and Watson, starring Will Ferrell and John C. Riley, uh, a duo that I think we've been beating over the head with in the sort of ten or so years since Step Brothers. Mm. I think it would have been the first... That was the first thing that they were paired together, and I, I can't say I've really laughed at Will Ferrell since Anchorman, really. No. Um, very fleetingly. An incredible piece of shit, really. Um, <laughs> I, I wasn't expecting much. <laughs> My expectations were like, absolute zero, and they were not met. Um, this is directed by someone called Ethan Cohen. No, not Just Ethan very Cohen. very close to Ethan, yeah. <laughs> it's not Ethan Cohen, I wish it were. Ethan uh, must be really worried about people getting that mixed up. <laughs> how fucking dare you? Change, I, I insist you change your name more. Um, the, the IMDb says, a humorous take. I, it's I, already I, wrong. I disagree. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, where where to start with this? I mean, you, like you say, you don't you don't expect it to be very funny with Will Ferrell and John C. Riley doing English accents and portraying English gentlemen, but fucking hell, I didn't laugh at this anything. This was awful. I couldn't I couldn't bring myself to laugh at anything. It wasn't it wasn't so bad. It was good. It was just no so awful, so boring. I like I really struggled not to zone out while I was watching. Yeah, this. I was just bored and it was just cringy like not in a good way i was just like this is not funny i don't i just i'm desperate to know who found this funny yeah (laughs) who who laughed at these jokes like i want to i want to go back in time into the cinema and 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 find someone and just shake them and say what the fuck are you laughing at what are you laughing at yeah i mean this they obviously go for a lot of jokes i know it's a lot of the humor in this a good example of of the type of humor in this is when um will ferrell says, I've got a brilliant disguise, turns around and puts a big moustache on, turns back around, mm. and Holmes, or Watson rather, is, where have you gone, Sherlock? Where have you gone? Yeah. He's like, no, it is me. I just have a disguise. That's that's the level here. Yeah. That's, and that's one of the better jokes, maybe. Mm. <laughs> the only bit that was close to being funny for me is when woman that Holmes likes starts eating that onion, and he was previously doing that with Watson... And he was like, found it was like oh, strangely arousing. Eating like, an onion, I don't remember. Don't remember that. I may have fallen asleep. Like, <laughs> eating an onion, fool. But yeah, it's not even worth uh, going into. I, <laughs> I thought there were some vague attempts at like, um, and again, it's it's very lazy. But um, what if we take modern technology and apply it to old time Victorian? So there, there was a bit that almost made me laugh where he asks a guy to telegram a dick pic to a girl that he <laughs> yeah. fancies and gets his knob out and puts it on a counter i thought that we were again very juvenile but we were we were maybe approaching a laugh yeah i was i, was, I felt the corners of my mouth perhaps incline 10 degrees mm-hmm. drove it into the ground and it was stuff like let's take a selfie with queen victoria so they have like a, a massive classic you know box where you have to flash the bulb and stuff and just that sort of stuff. Steve Coogan pops up in this as yeah, well. Yeah. Um, what the hell is he thinking? Um, and also um, 
WWE wrestler Braun Strowman um, appears in this, mm. dressed exactly as he dresses, <laughs> and under the character name Braun, so and using his same accent. Like, I mean, the main problem with this film is the accents. Yeah, Will Ferrell and John Riley cannot do English accents. No. Will Ferrell in particular cannot do an English no. accent, and doesn't even really try that hard. But it, but he still tries. I wonder it, if they thought it was going to be a good film, John Riley and. Can't imagine. I mean, if you believe IMDb trivia, I know we had some good ones on here last episode. Apparently, Sony attempted to sell the film to Netflix after the test screenings, um, to which Netflix declined. (laughs) But I mean, Netflix have been funding Adam Sandler movies, so it's not like they're above this sort of thing. (laughs) But um, I found the historical jumping around weird as well. Like, they go on the Titanic at the end. It's Mm. meant to be Victorian London, and they go on the Titanic. Makes no fucking sense. Just the jumping around, and like they they play um, Unchained Melody at one point, obviously massively out of historical yeah. context, <laughs> just so they can make a vague reference to Ghost with Patrick Swayze with some because there's some pottery in the background. Yeah. It's not worth it. Like, <laughs> it's not worth like fucking with the historical accuracy of your film for these jokes. Like just yeah. don't bother. They don't make enough of an impact. <laughs> no. What is the point? Like I just got like Rob Brydon in it as well Um, Hugh Laurie briefly they must have pictures of these people doing unspeakable things to get (laughs) them into this film like how how does it happen been a very long time since Will Ferrell was funny and um, like I say my expectations to this film were were probably minus and they still weren't met and I don't I don't ever want to see this again and there there are hints at a sequel at the end as well when they go to the wild west yeah that's not going to happen, <laughs> surely. Please not, no. Holmes and Watson, absolutely wretched piece of shit. Don't watch um, it. I don't even... Don't, absolutely don't watch it. You can't it. enjoy it, not even in an ironic way. No. I mean, you can always... If you want this sort of stuff, I guess you could always watch the Robert Downey Jr. and Jude Law Sherlock Holmes films from maybe 10 years ago. Maybe they're better than this. I haven't seen them. And then a lot of people like the, the Benedict Cumberbatch and Martin Freeman Sherlock series, which... Mm. I'm sure it's better than this. So. Yeah, there's there's a ton of Sherlock Holmes adaptations out there. You shouldn't need to watch this one, <laughs> and, and, and you shouldn't watch it. And then finally, we get to we much talked about Gotti, John Travolta's crime uh, biopic, crime epic, mafia biopic of uh, John Gotti, the head of the Gambino crime family. Um, this was much talked about when it came out as being. Um, Battlefield Earth levels <laughs> of bad for which um, for which John Travolta won many Razzies. Nearly two hours long. It certainly seems to portray a real life uh, mob boss character person that I wasn't familiar with uh, yeah, prior to this. I didn't know about this. I think I sort of think if you've seen one mob film, you've seen them all. What What did you think of Gotti? We've just finished watching it. So it had some like parts that made me laugh. I think some of them were intentional, some of them weren't intentional. But it was just, it just seemed quite disjointed to me. It's like... The timeline jumped around more than John Travolta's hairline. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I was, I was like, it didn't really work. The structure didn't work. No, because um, he was meant to be telling his son his life story from prison just before he was going to die from cancer. A lot yeah. of people in this film die of cancer. Yeah. Considering it's a mob film, more people die from cancer than they do from being shot, yeah. which is weird. But he's he's retelling from 1999, he's retelling his son how he came to be a mob boss 
in the mm. 70s and 80s and a little bit in the 90s. But it doesn't really follow a linear no. uh, timeline. It jumps around. To me, it seems to jump around. And I could only keep track of it by whether he had hair, didn't have hair, was looking rough as arseholes. You know? Yeah. It's like, well, who's this character that's died now? I can't what <laughs> and there were um, bits that made me there were bits that were so bad it was good like I think it definitely had like Wizzo vibes to it like, yeah in the way those that, moments yeah he had those moments where you're like the, he, he's really gone for it he's been really intense and it's, it's hilarious like, he's you know. slapping around the kids when they yeah. got in that fight <laughs> yeah there was one scene where John Gotti's son just him and his mates walk into a bar and about 10 seconds in the dialogue is dreadful for this film. It's just, it's just, oh, you motherfucker, what are you, fucker? <laughs> yeah. oh, I'm going to fucking kill you. It's just the worst kind of cliche of a, of a mob film. Mm. I couldn't even hear most of what they were saying. It was no. just, motherfucker, motherfucker, what's up with you, motherfucker? And I didn't think I was missing any any plot for it. No. But um, yeah, it's this extended bar fight scene where, where John got his son and his mates are like barreling over these like guys in a bar and it goes on for ages. <laughs> It was like the Channel 5 news fight from Anchorman. It just went on for like this, escalated, and we're like, oh, fucking hell. And then John Travolta bursts in and goes, did you know someone died tonight? <laughs> and just starts slapping the shit out of his son. It was, it was bizarre. I was expecting him to like grab them by the collar or something and like throw them around, but he started slap, like bitch slapping yeah. them. Uh, there were a lot of overacting here from John Travolta, like Nick Cage levels of overacting. And I, yeah. I feel like... Maybe ever since Face Off, John Travolta has tried to uh, tried to go the Cajun route of just just fucking going for it, even if you know you're in a bad film. Yeah. But this was like a almost like a music video version of a of a, a biopic. Like mm. there was loads of like hip hop, even though it was all set in the seventies. <laughs> there was loads of, like quite very modern music talking about you know more rappers are obsessed with mobs, mob bosses and stuff. I did think there were there were sort of shades of narcos here, and the John Gotti character was a little bit like Pablo Escobar, uh, particularly in the um, news footage, the, the genuine news footage of people going like, "He was a good guy, you know." Yeah. I mean, yeah, he murdered people, but like it was always his own kind, and he always made sure the streets were safe for people like us. <laughs> he was good for the community, man. <laughs> yeah. It's the same shit you see in, in stock footage of people like mourning the loss of Pablo Escobar, like. He was a murdering scumbag, but he was our murdering scumbag, <laughs> man. And it was ah, oh, the street. It's just not the same now. He's gone. Like there's loads of punks on, like loads of amateur criminals. Like we preferred organised criminals. Like there's some some, some ludicrous parts, and uh, I, I sort of enjoyed it. I thought that the guy that played his son was particularly bad. Yeah, um, actor. Um, all his dialogue was terrible mm. and terribly delivered as well. And the idea was that he was the guy that was going to get out of the uh, the mafia lifestyle. There's good good use of like real news footage, real stock footage and stuff like that. John Travolta's wife, Kelly Preston, was in this as well, apparently. I didn't notice her. She was his wife in this also. Mm. I was a bit surprised. It definitely wasn't as bad as it had been made out to be by people when it came out. It was just long, quite drawn out. Yeah. Probably didn't need to be that long. It was just a bit weird. John Travolta's performance was a bit like... Are you okay? Just like those Nick Cage performances we we talked about last time. Like, are you all right? His facial expressions. And it's everything. Sort of... A lot of it. Well, a lot of the time he was pulling a face like he just like had a really sour Haribo or something, <laughs> and that was his like, I'm a scary mob guy kind mm. of face. But there was lots of violence in this as well, which was quite good, and lots of motherfucker, motherfucker. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I I get the feeling that Travolta always wanted to be in one of those mob films, but never could be, and now he has been. 
and it's yeah. not great. It's <laughs> pretty shit. Yeah. So, so there you go. That's the five um, worst picture nominees for the Razzies that are going to be happening later on tonight. Um, so we'll go now through the different categories. Obviously, we can only judge the, the films that we've seen here. Out of the five worst picture nominees here that we've talked about and that we've unfortunately had to watch, which one do you think is the worst picture? Which one do you think will go away with the with the prize? I think, I've got to say, Holmes and Watson is yeah. just one of the worst films I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> it's, just, it's, it's irredeemable. Yeah, it yeah. has no... Re- Nothing. redeemable redeeming qualities there's nothing no, good about it no no at least the other films had some interesting themes or some good dialogue in yeah. them even if they were quite crap but this just had nothing enjoyable about it it was so the humor was just not humorous there was no humor plot was just not <laughs> worth following i couldn't be bothered to take even no- notice yeah. of what was going on um, yeah, <laughs> it I was agree. just terrible. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I mean, like you say, a lot of the other films here at least have tried something, uh, even if they're working with um, with stuff that's been done a hundred times. You know, like Robin Hood, they tried to do a weird, futuristic, meandering uh, take on it. You know, Winchester and Gotti uh, were taking um, real life interesting people and making a film about them mm. um, Happy Time Murders did something quite interesting that I wasn't expecting as well but Holmes and Watson is the lowest point of all the adaptations of Sherlock <laughs> Holmes and there's loads of them there's like yeah dozens and dozens of adaptations yeah. because I guess the copywriters what has long gone on those and anyone can do one we could do one probably mm. it would still be better yeah <laughs> um, Arthur Conan Doyle would spin in his grave if he uh, if he was made to watch Subjected Holmes and Watson. Shit. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, absolutely the worst picture Holmes and Watson I, I anticipate will be picking that up. Unless unless Gotti gets it, but I think it should be Holmes and Watson. Worst actress category. We've got a couple in here that we haven't seen. Jennifer Garner in Peppermint, Amber Heard in London Fields. Uh, Melissa McCarthy actually double nominated for The Happy Time Murders and Life for the Party, which I haven't heard of. Uh, Helen Mirren in Winchester and Amanda Seyfried in The Clapper, whatever that is. <laughs> um, so obviously we can only judge Melissa McCarthy and Helen Mirren here in the two films that we've we've watched here, which you think is the worst actress out of those. Which one should should win out of those two? One is an Oscar winner. <laughs> yeah, it's difficult. One could be an Oscar winner by the time this goes out. It's difficult because Helen Mirren's a good actress, but she had to spout a load of drivel about... <laughs> ghosts and spirits and stuff yeah whereas melissa mccarthy isn't great but i enjoyed the film (laughs) yeah she Um, might be great one day (laughs) so i guess i'll go for melissa mccarthy yeah i think um it was otherwise a a good film um she was the only thing about it that i didn't like really yeah Um, i feel like helen mirren did her best in a bad film yeah but Melissa Carthy was bad in quite a good film. Yeah. <laughs> so that's, that's, that's the parallel I have to draw. <laughs> yeah, like I say, I think maybe people have been writing, p- pigeonholing Melissa McCarthy as just being this loudmouthed, um, obnoxious character that shouts at everyone. And maybe with this um, this Oscar-nominated film, um, she doesn't do that, maybe. Maybe she just does something interesting. <laughs> I'd be interested to see that if it does win an Oscar. Perhaps I'll, I'll check it out. Um, but I think, yeah, maybe maybe she will be good one day um, and be given roles that allow her to do something interesting rather than just shitting jokes or, mm. you know, pissing jokes or just 
I'm a foul-mouthed woman. You can't handle that. You can't handle that, can you? You know, it's just not not funny. Snorting glitter. Snorting glitter. That was funny, actually. Yeah, Yeah, that was that was the only bit I laughed at her when I was meant to. Yeah. And she was shouting after snorting rainbow glitter. So yeah, Melissa McCarthy, worst actress out of the ones we've seen there. Listeners can let us know if the other performances here are are worse. We haven't we haven't been able to see all of the Razzie films. We we, yeah, it's not fair to make anyone watch all of the Razzie films. Um, worst actor, Johnny Depp, voice only, Sherlock Gnomes. <laughs> it's possible there is a worse Sherlock Holmes film <laughs> yeah. this year, but um, Sherlock Gnomes. Sherlock Gnomes. If anyone knows what that is, I mean, I, I can imagine. Wow. Okay. Sherlock Gnomes is an adaptation of Sherlock Holmes featuring gnomes, as you'd imagine, <laughs> starring Johnny Depp, James McAvoy, Emily Blunt, Michael Caine. Five point one on IMDb. That's higher than. Uh, Holmes and Watson, which was three point yeah. something. So there you go. An, anim- an animated gnome-based adaptation of Sherlock Holmes was better. So there you go. Johnny Depp is nominated for voice only. I'm sure he can get away with that. Uh, Will Ferrell in Holmes and Watson. John Travolta in Gotti. Donald Trump as himself. <laughs> Death of a Nation of Fahrenheit eleven nine. I don't know what those things are. I'm uh-huh. assuming these are documentaries. And Bruce Willis in the Death Wish remake. So obviously we can only judge Will Ferrell and John Travolta here, both um, very grating performances. Which which one of those would you say is the the worst actor? I think it's got to be Will Ferrell. Yeah. It's just nothing good about it. The terrible uh, accent, no good humour. John Travolta's accent was really good. Yeah. I know he talks a bit like that anyway. And he was kind of funny when he was meant to be funny. He did some some Nick Cage freaking out and made me laugh a few times. Whereas Will Ferrell was just, yeah, Yeah. just bad. You just suck the energy out of the film. Yeah. We're supporting actor. We've got Jamie Foxx in Robin Hood. Uh, Ludacris, voice only in Show Dogs. Uh, Joel McHale in Happy Time Murders. He was one of the um, like FBI agents that came in. Blinking, mm. you would have missed him. John C. Riley, Holmes and Watson. And Justice Smith in Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. So we've got a couple there. Jamie Foxx, Joel McHale, or John C. Riley terms of supporting actors which, which well I liked Jamie Foxx <clears throat> I think he was one of the better things about Robin Hood even though none of the characters were that mm. amazing uh, it's got to be John C. Riley. I mean he's been put in a very bad film it's weird really because you couldn't really say that Will Ferrell was the lead and John Riley wasn't I felt they were in fairly equal yeah. pegging mm. um a shame because John C. Riley's been he's in done some, some good stuff. stuff. Yeah. yeah, he's been like Boogie Nights and stuff like that. I watched um, what's he in Gilbert Grape? Isn't he? Was it that? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's capable. Um, he needs to stop hanging out with Will Ferrell. It's not mm. good for him. It's not good for his career. No. Yeah, I don't know. I wasn't keen on Jamie Foxx. I thought his like accent was terrible as well. I don't know where he was meant to be from. North Africa. It was meant mm-hmm. to be, but it was like. North Africa by way of America, by way of Jamaica. It was it was kind of ropey. Mm. Um, but he didn't really talk much, and he was just a physical kind of character, so yeah. uh, you couldn't really fault him too much. Joel McHale, I don't even remember being in the Happy Time Murders, whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. <laughs> he didn't make an impression on me, so I can't say he was the worst. So, yeah, I'd have to go with John C. Riley as well. But, like I say, if you're standing next to Will Ferrell, you can't look that bad <laughs> he, he was not as bad as Will Ferrell you have to give him that yeah uh, worst supporting actress uh, Kellyanne Conway in Fahrenheit 11.9 Marcia Gay Harden Fifty Shades Freed 
Kelly Preston in Gotti, Jazz Sinclair in Slenderman, another horror film, and Melania Trump as herself in Fahrenheit 11.9. I mean, we've only seen Gotti out of this list, so... <laughs> yeah. Can't really judge. Uh, that sorry, one. Kelly Preston, you yeah. win, win by default on this one. Although I can't say she did anything terrible. There was a bit where she was freaking out after her son was run over, where she was a bit ridiculous. Yeah, it's the only bit I really noticed her, so I couldn't say too much about that. <laughs> Worst screen combo. The picture here is, uh, <laughs> sort of influences you. Um, we have any two actors or puppets, especially in those creepy sex scenes, the happy time bits. Johnny Depp and his fast fading film career. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> uh, Will Ferrell and John C. Riley trashing two of literature's most beloved characters, Holmes and Watson. <laughs> Kelly Preston and John Travolta getting Battlefield Earth type reviews. <laughs> Donald J. Trump and his self-perpetuating pettiness. I don't know if this is all the words of the Razzies. I don't know if the article here is imprinting something of their own. Uh, so we've got a couple of options there. Then any two actors or puppets, uh, Will Ferrell and John C. Riley or Kelly Preston and John Travolta. I think going for the same film every time, but it's, it's got to be Will Ferrell and John C. Reilly, yeah, surely. Together. If they're the worst actors separately, they yeah. have to be the worst combo. Um, I couldn't say that any two any two puppets in Happy Time Murders were worse than them. No. They could have been puppets in the Happy Time Murders. I enjoyed I think, all of the puppets, really. I think the best place for um, Will Ferrell is to play a puppet. Yeah. So I, I, I think you'd be better off. Yeah. Now, worst remake, rip-off, or sequel. We actually have a film here that we reviewed last year, creep, Ooh, Creeping Back In. I got the Meg. Um, yeah. Now, they consider the Meg a rip-off of Jaws. I'm not sure if I would agree with that, just because it's a big shark. Yeah, it's not the um, same. It's <laughs> a bit unfair. It also wasn't that bad. Robin Hood, Holmes and Watson, Death Wish, Death of a Nation. I think we have to go for Holmes and Watson again. Yeah. I definitely. mean, it's just the same category again, really, but... Um, I don't think the Meg was a rip-off of Jaws, and it certainly wasn't as bad as Holmes and Watson. It was no. sort of enjoyable. Yeah. Worst director. Now this takes a bit more thinking. Ethan Cohen, not Ethan Cohen. Ethan Cohen, Holmes and Watson. Kevin Connolly for Gotti. James Foley for Fifty Shades Freed. Brian Henson, Happy Time Murders, and the Spearig brothers. Not Spielberg, Spearig. <laughs> People are just naming themselves after famous directors to see if anyone mistakes it. <laughs> try and get some popularity um, from it. So in terms of how the films are directed, try and think from this perspective. Um, are we going for Holmes and Watson, Gotti, Happy Time Murders or Winchester? Bit of a tough one. Yeah. I think Winchester was quite well directed. I quite mm. enjoyed the camera. I don't, work. I don't think Gotti was well directed, really. No. It's a bit of a mess. But I can't say that Holmes and Watson, Holmes and Watson was better directed. I couldn't say that it was directed at all, really. <laughs> I, I, at no point did it stand out to me. <laughs> yeah, it's a tough one. I'd say, again, it's between Holmes and Watson and Gotti, as many of mm. these categories are. They're both very sporadic, jumping all over the place, like yeah. you say, in terms of... Uh, could go either way there. Maybe Holmes and Watson, just because everything about it is bad. Yeah, it's got to be. <laughs> Uh, by the same token, worst screenplay, Death of the Nation, Fifty Shades, Freed, Gotti, Happy Time Murders, or Winchester. Or Holmes and Watson isn't in this category. Oh, wow. It didn't make the worst screenplay. <laughs> what? I'm going to mix it up a bit. Um, so we, we have to go for Gotti, Happy Time Murders, or Winchester as a screenplay. It's a little bit tougher. Winchester was a film that, where the directing was mm. pretty good, but it was let down. Ropey dialogue of Winchester and Gotti, yeah. 
But at least in Gotti, it was the dialogue was being spoken by what we were led to believe were just idiot mob people yeah. who, who don't have a great grasp of the English language and can only say motherfucker six mm. times every sentence. So it sort of suited the film, but it was also like I couldn't understand what anyone was saying. Yeah. But Winchester is meant to be a period film, so they're meant to be speaking in a certain way. It's, it depends, you know, how it's delivered as well. I reckon maybe Winchester. Mm. I think I would have to go for Gotti on that one, um, yeah. just because of how uh, unintelligible the dialogue was. I think, yeah. I think if you can't understand what's being said, it's not great dialogue. <laughs> um, Winchester, I think. If, I think if you view it in the in terms of a period horror film, which obviously is. People in those old films often speak really strangely and mm. ropey. Oh, good Gotti. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see what the Razzies <laughs> say. Uh, but that is that is all the categories. So, uh, yeah, it looks like overall Holmes and Watson is the main offender uh, from the last year. But um, John Travolta is not done yet. Don't count him out. He, he's still capable of making an awful film. So there is. Those are our, uh, our thoughts on the five Worst Picture nominees, our predictions for... Uh, for which ones we think uh, will possibly take home uh, the Golden Raspberry in various categories. Um, I don't think any of these movies are also Oscar nominated. I didn't check, but um, <laughs> I don't think so. Recommendations. Um, I think we've mentioned a few of them. I think if you sort of enjoyed Gotti, you would probably like Goodfellas. Um, got the Godfather 1, the Godfather 2. Godfather 3 is more, more on the lines of what Gotti is <laughs> in terms of messiness. Uh, Happy Time Murders, if you like that, definitely. Team America, World Police. Yeah. Probably even South Park, Bigger, Longer, Uncut as well. Similar humour. And Peter Jackson's Meet the Feebles, pretty ahead of its time in terms of foul-mouthed puppets. If you enjoyed Holmes and Watson, I don't know what what to say to you. Um, (laughs) If you want similar films, (laughs) what planet are you on? (laughs) I mean, I guess if you want a film where these people are being funny you could try Step Brothers. that's kind of funny but of course will ferrell's you know crowning achievement is anchorman and, and always will be no one can take that film Absolutely. away from us really no matter what he does you that, can't change it you that's know. when he peaked yeah he peaked up you know, and I, it's 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 popular for a reason it's uh, it's a classic for a reason and if you want a good sherlock holmes um you can go back to like the basil rathbone uh, 30s and 40s versions or they even did a few with um, Peter Cushing and Christopher Lee like the Hound of the Baskervilles and stuff like that that's good um, good Sunday morning matinee fun mm. uh, be a lot more fun than this <laughs> uh, Robin Hood like I say first film I ever saw Prince of Thieves uh, in the cinema with Kevin Costner and Morgan Freeman playing the kind of Jamie Foxx character mm. Alan Rickman unforgettable as the Sheriff of Nottingham like it's a great film I don't know it's one of those films I I loved instantly as a child and I've been completely unaware of whether other people think it's bad or good. <laughs> I know Kevin Costner is hit and miss. I've always thought it was a great film. Perhaps it's a great film and a bad film. You could try Robin Hood Men in Tights, a bit of a sillier one. And you can try Robin Hood Dung by Foxes and Badgers if you like that sort of thing. Winchester, again I'm thinking of Hammer Horror type stuff, period ghost horror, The Woman in Black from a couple of years ago is a good example of that that done really well I think they were trying to channel a little bit of The Conjuring maybe also a film called The Awakening starring Rebecca Hall who was in Holmes and Watson unfortunately uh, that was an interesting film about spirit photography and like charlatans of the 
of the Victorian era, of the Edwardian era, rather. So if you've uh, if you've had a chance to check out these five films, my, my condolences. Uh, <laughs> let us know what you did think. Um, you can get in touch with us on uh, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Schlock Tactics. And we have had a little bit of feedback from friend of the show, Water Ranker. <laughs> who uh, I know for a fact has watched uh, nearly every film that came out last year, so by proxy had to have seen these films, so I was waiting to see what, uh, what, what they would have in their, in their list. So what a ranker gave his thoughts on all five of these films, said Robin Hood was a tone-deaf, needless movie. <laughs> Happy Time Murders was trying so hard and was cringy and not in the way they intended. Disagree. The, the Winchester, they've said, <laughs> was just <laughs> completely hollow, had no substance to it at all. Holmes and Watson hurt to watch, didn't land a single joke, and further buried Will Ferrell's career. That's that, perfect. That's spot on. Yeah. And Gotti was just boring. Uh, but I would say Gotti was the worst for committing the cardinal movie sin and making me feel absolutely nothing. <laughs> Being made horribly uncomfortable by how bad the rest were is better than literally emotionless. <laughs> that's wow. quite an interesting perspective. Yeah. So what a ranker they was not was not moved by one of the little gotti kids being run over on his bike he was not moved by um you know people being sentenced to life in prison mm. five five lives in prison not moved by john travolta's um, performance i think you think you've definitely got a point there i think gotti could walk away with most of the razzies here <laughs> um, but we're, we're sticking with holmes and watson for the most part so yeah if you want to get in touch like uh what a ranker has uh, hit us up on instagram Facebook and Twitter. Let us know if you've seen these films, what you thought, which ones you think will win the uh, the Razzies tonight. Uh, or if you're listening to this in the future, uh, let us know that we were wrong. Mm. Um, maybe uh, maybe Holmes and Watson hasn't hasn't won any Razzies, but we'll see. Subscribe to the podcast uh, whenever we release uh, an episode. You'll be the first to know about it and give us a five-star rating in iTunes if you wouldn't mind as well. Uh, also head on over to YouTube, uh, where our channel has just launched in the last couple of weeks. We've got a, every uh, podcast is going to be going on there as well, so you can uh, you can listen to it on YouTube as well. Subscribe over there, and we may even release a little bit of extra content on there from time to time. Uh, but that has been another episode of Schlock Tactics. My name is Ben Ashley, and I've been joined by Mark. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next time. Bye. Bye.